millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hashtag Team Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ben. This is Open Up, the podcast, the chat, the extra thought to accompany my first book, Open, a toolkit for how magic and messed up life can be. Big and serious. People know that I'm big and serious. So it's amazing that you've downloaded this podcast. I'm really happy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being part of Team Open. But we do want you to get involved. We want you to become part of the team. We want you to feel like you can open up, even if it's wearing something bright tonight. Uh, Make sure that you let us know and you use the hashtag Team Open. Team Open! You're listening to the Open Up podcast with Gemma Kearney. So what does make us stressed? If you want to get better than other people, you kind of have to do it now. I had an entire summer where I didn't really leave the house just because of how I was feeling. And It doesn't just happen when it's near your exams or when your paper's due. It can happen at any moment. So I'm at UTC Media City in Salford with Tom, Joe and Alex in their radio studio getting ready to open up. In this episode, we're going to talk about stress and anxiety and what happens when some of those things get pushed to the extreme. Are there any subject matters that are really embarrassing in your life? Some things are embarrassing when talking about it with certain people. There's things I could talk to about, like with my dad, that I couldn't, my mum, and it's like just things are embarrassing when you're discussing it in different environments. Like I could talk to Tom about things that I couldn't talk to say you about. <laughs> Why? Just, Why wouldn't you tell me? I don't know. It's just a thing, isn't it? It's just how it is. You get some friends who just like tell you everything that happens in their life, and it's hard. It's hard to get them to shut up. And then you get, <laughs> then you get some friends that sometimes you just don't, you don't know anything about, and yeah. you find something out about them. And you're like, oh, I didn't even know that that you did that, yeah. or you were like that. You know. Mm-hmm. What I mean? 
what's it like being a male in the scope of things of being able to express yourself what about if you are feeling really low and you're actually worried about your own mental health and you don't have to talk necessarily from your own experience but have you seen friends really crumble having to try and keep it a secret and i had problems a couple of years ago like um i had stuff going on there i was a bit of a mess to be honest but the problem was is that at home it was like fine i can talk to about anyone and that was kind of like a like a safe haven, but going out, it was like, it wasn't. So I was always longing to be at home and it found like I had an entire summer where I didn't really leave the house just because of how I was feeling. And I think that that was an issue because I became too reliant on my family members and didn't really open up to friends or anything like that. Would you give any advice to anyone that's going through the same thing? Definitely just speak to people. I mean, the difficulty in speaking to your friends is that you feel like you're being a burden on them. Your your family, your family, and you think, oh, well, they don't mind because, you know, I'm their child, but... When, when, when you're speaking to your friends, you feel like, you know, they've got their own lives going on, they're doing their own thing, and you don't really want to be putting pressure onto them to having to give you advice, and, and that's why I found myself not speaking to my friends more. Did you in the end? Yeah, yeah, well, got there in the end. I'm fine now. Yeah, but, and, and did you tell them that it, it had been a tough time? Yeah, like, they, they all didn't have a clue. Like, they were just like, right, all right then, like, because you kind of hide it, and I think that was probably why it ended up dragging on for so long. So you think if you'd spoken to them about it beforehand, it yeah, might have been easier definitely. and you would have been able to relieve it, the stress more? Yeah. yeah, definitely. When I was in year 11, I, I found GCSEs very hard, but I, I just didn't tell anyone about it. Like, at night time, I'd lie in bed and I'd just overthink. Like, I'd just, I'd just go on rambles in my head. Then I'd stress myself out over things that are just like nothing. And I'd just overthink. But then I'd wake up and I'd just forget about it in the morning and I'd go to school like I would the day before. But it was just at night time, I'd really get myself stressed out over things that just... Didn't, didn't matter at the time. Isn't it so weird how the night time can be completely different in your brain to sort of day-to-day life? Yeah. It really annoys me. I'm just like, why is my brain being so weird in the middle of the night and then the next day I'll feel absolutely fine? Deanna, Emma and Harriet. Girls, let's chat. Are you ready? Yeah. Be as yeah. honest as possible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what makes you the most stressed? future personally and that pressure of not knowing what's going to come I understand that you can't really worry because you don't know what's going to come but then especially at this age like I'm going off to uni next year so it's like what's going to happen next and what's the the worst thing that could happen what's the biggest fear amongst that um biggest fear for me is not being able to provide for myself and my family and when you say your family do you mean your future family that that you're Mm going to have or your family that are around you now both really it does scare me because it's got to make decisions now that are going to affect our future this idea that as women we will have a family yeah. in this mm-hmm. conventional way get the right job yeah. through this fun time of education and but still mm-hmm. focus is kind of a load of codswallop in the sense that you could go to uni in your 40s if you wanted to do something different mm-hmm. you might have kids whilst you're at uni or you might never do you know you just do not know what's going to happen and actually that is that is kind of amazing that you can do all these different things so whatever decisions that you make will be the right ones because your instinct and you know your excitement will lead you to that but it can always change everything that could possibly go go wrong or everything that could possibly change has changed in the space of like five years from like starting high school and like finishing high school they kind of say oh, you don't have to decide what you want to do but then they're like but you need to decide what a lovers you want to pick what b tech you want to do where you want to go uni 
what work experience do you want and what you want to do and even though they're saying that it's fine you don't have to decide now everything is put in place to do stuff for when you've decided i'm really trying to put my head back to like mid 90s like me your age and i feel like i had loads of spare time yeah um I also, big secret, and I I'm not proud of this, didn't really care about my exam results. Mm. I cared way more about my relationship and getting into a nightclub. And I'm just wondering, like, what has changed? Personally, I think it's the uh, amount of opportunities we get provided with. It can be quite overwhelming to young people and that they have to make a decision and that, oh, have this massive range. Because, yeah, we can do whatever we want and it's great because we can go into whatever we want to do. But then it's also quite overwhelming as well because we have to pick. When there's more choice, you never know if that's the right choice for the path you want to go down and you never know if that's going to benefit you more, Rod. Even though you can go to university after, especially being our age, you're going to be with loads of people younger than you, which is a problem, but I know it shouldn't be, but it is. And then there's you've got your degree after everyone else. If you want to get better than other people, you will kind of have to do it now. I'm Kai, I'm 15. I'm Katija, I'm 17, and we're in Blackburn with Darwin. What is the thing that stresses you out the most? General life sometimes, because sometimes it can become a bit overbearing, so you just tend to feel stressed and it, it seems to pile on top of you and you feel like you're being buried and you can't seem to get out of it. So I think just general life, really. And what are those elements of life that can become overwhelming? probably schoolwork and maybe sometimes you can have family problems or maybe you can have issues with just probably waking up one day and just feeling like you you just can't do it you just can't get out of bed and put on clothes and go, go to college or go out with your friends and I think sometimes a lot of people are pressured into doing things like peer pressure or maybe and that that can get very stressful sometimes. When you've done something wrong you feel like you've just failed at what you've done but if you tried again, but differently, then you could probably succeed at it. So what kind of things constitute as failure? When do you feel like that? When you've like not completed a homework or like you've tried to do something that you wanted to do, but you just can't complete it without getting some assistance from your family members. So even asking for help makes you feel like you're not doing as good as you should do? It's great to get assistance from others because then you know that for next time, if you want to try it again, then you know what to do. It's my belief that um, mental health isn't addressed clearly or properly throughout schools. And it's not the education system's fault. I think it's just the fear people have of addressing the situation because it's becoming it's getting worse and it's getting worse and it's not it doesn't just happen when it's near your exams or when your papers due because that's what everyone seems to assume it's it can happen at any moment it's always lying dormant it's happened to me it's happened to my friends who surround me and i think sometimes teachers forget that it's not exam stress it's just life it's just that difficulty because sometimes we all go through horrible things when we're teenagers and people must understand that it's not just from phase, it's not because girls are on their periods or because we're PMS, because that's just a joke. And if anyone says that to me, I'm just going to sock it. It's the most simplest thing, is to just listen. You are listening to the Open Up Podcast. My name's Aisha, I'm in year 12. My name's Hafsa, I'm in year 12. My name's Afsana, I'm in year 10. 
your friends are literally your stress le- release. I remember during exam times, I was going through so many stressful things in my life. And I think coming into school every day and just having an hour of lunch with my friends, it does the world of difference, just being around them. You get, you appreciate it so much. And when you're going through a tough time, especially, the little things matter. I noticed how calm they made me and how grateful I was for them when I was around them. I just thought, wow, this is what life is, being around these crazy, silly people who go up on tables and dance when the teachers aren't in the classroom. <laughs> things like that. It's, it's just you're so grateful for things like that, especially when you're going through hard times. I don't have any sisters, so they're kind of like my sisters. It's a nice feeling to have coming into school and being with my friends and just having fun. They lift you, don't they? They, they can really lift the mood, I think, friends can, yeah, in a way that no at, one else can. Yeah, and especially at this time, because I have my exams next year, so I don't want stress, and being with my friends just kind of gets rid of that stress. So you're listening to the Open Up podcast with me, Gemma Kearney, and loads of other people. Do get involved, because you're now part of Team Open. Use the hashtag Team Open, rate, review, and subscribe to the rest of the podcast. For the rest of this podcast, we're going to talk about something that is a pretty heavy subject. We're talking about self-harm. It's not an easy thing to talk about, and it might be difficult for some people to listen to. If you think that, then you are absolutely welcome to just literally press stop now. Enough is enough. You don't want to hear about self-harm because it's, quite frankly, pretty hardcore and scary. But that's why I think it is really important to talk about. I cover it in the book within many pages and it's all modified in written form by Self Harm UK who are an excellent organisation and very progressive on this matter. And the reason why I think it's important to talk about this is because it is something which is happening. And one of the reasons why it might be getting a little bit out of control is because of the amount of stress and anxiety that a lot of people are under and it's bubbling up to make them feel out of control and also disconnected in terms of being able to speak to people in authority or reaching out to people that can help them. So if we start to normalise discussing issues, even if they're really, really difficult, and we equip ourselves with the language to know how to be resourceful and safe and help, then this could be quite an amazing thing. Here's neuroscientist Dr Daniel Glaser, who's from King's College London. The first thing to say about self-harm uh, is that it, it's an awful, you know, it's an awful phenomenon. I don't know about the data as to whether it is on the rise or not. I don't think that we have any evidence that it's on the rise. I think it's certainly something that's that's prevalent uh, and it's something that's discussed and it's something that's part of culture. The first thing to say about it is that it is a paradoxical phenomenon, which is to say it's surprising. Why is it surprising? It's surprising because most of what our brains do, most of our biology, is about maintaining ourselves in good shape. So we sweat when we're hot, uh, we get goose flesh or shiver when we're cold, when we're thirsty, we, uh, that's because the salts in our blood are telling our brain we need to drink. Mm-hmm. So self-harm is a paradox from a biological point of view because it's an intentional or a, a deliberate act which goes against your own interests in biology. It's interesting to think about what might lie behind self-harm and I think one of the interesting things about it is relationships to our bodies. So we know that when we think about our own bodies we uh, transfer, we project our thinking onto our own bodies and also onto the bodies of others. For example, in the brain there's a system called the mirror system, and what that system does is it controls your movements, 
but also it's sensitive when other people do a similar movement. So for example, there are cells in the brain that are activated when you reach and grab something. Gemma, I'm reaching and grabbing this recorder. Yeah. Right? The cells that control that grabbing motion are also activated if you were to reach and grab it. Mm -hmm. So there are parts of the brain which we call motor empathy or motor resonance. Motor means movement, right. which are sensitive to your body and my body in the same way. So I think that um, especially women's bodies and especially for girls, how they're depicted publicly uh, in, let's say, music videos or in popular culture, there's a sense that of ownership, that you're seeing a bunch of bodies that are controlled by other people, and the, the disconnection between your own body and the body that you're seeing can be quite strong. Yeah. We also know that as um, people get unhappy, they lose a sense of their own body. Yeah. So for example, uh, there are various kinds of what we call body dysmorphias, which are a sense that you actually see your body differently than how it actually is. So for example, if there's a, a woman or a girl who's very sensitive about her weight or her body shape, if you do an experiment where you show her her body in a mirror and you ask her to move a couple of marks to show where the edges of her body are, there's evidence that women who are very concerned about their body shape see their own body as being bigger than it is. Mm -hmm. They actually put the physical marks on the mirror in the wrong place visually yeah. because their image of themselves Allow, makes them see themselves bigger than they are. I think it is, it's wrapped up, it's so nuanced and complicated, but it is in this sense of like wanting to break free from yourself and mm -hmm. feeling like you are worth nothing. And that has a lot to do with many things, including how women's bodies are portrayed, mm -hmm. because how are you meant to like yours when you can't kind of see it anywhere? So I do think that control is a really important part of self-harm. And again, you know, as a young person, you don't necessarily have control of a lot of aspects of your life. Um, you know, there are restrictions into what you're allowed to do legally. Uh, you probably don't have a whole lot of money to spend on what you want. And uh, the images of, of bodies that are out there in the world are not things that you can directly aspire to. In fact, you're losing control. Psychotherapist Dr. Susie Orbach. I'm researching self-harm, which is mm. one of the most difficult subjects in the book. And one of the things that people find the hardest to speak about, why do you think that it's such a controversial thing? But if you'd asked me when I wrote Fat as a Feminist Issue, which is nearly 40 years old, it's 38, people didn't talk about having eating problems then. There was so much shame. In, people didn't even have the words for it cutting your body, is another kind of subject that's been waiting for people to make enough noise about. And I think if we think about all of these issues, particularly in relation to girls and women, is that we're used to harming our own bodies rather than speaking out. So we either stuff ourselves with food or to stop our mouths or... We change our bodies so that we either look or we reject what society wants. I think in terms of society and, and the bigger discussion, there is a sense of fear that talking about it in too much detail can create a copycat phenomena and that people yeah. will follow suit. Yeah, it's we always have that though, don't we? I, I've, I've never quite understood that. Um, of course there are copycat phenomena, but it, it's not like girls in school don't talk to each other or see each other, so that's already happening. I think we have to put some air in the 
system to talk about it, to talk about why are our young people suffering quite so much and what are we going to do about it and how are we going to make them emotionally capable enough to, to become much more comfortable with difficult, conflicting emotions. And even though it feels like a cliche, and I am repeating this a lot in my discoveries, but people are trying to seek the answers online, which can be a well of detrimental yeah. activity. It can be positive, there is help out there, but at the same time, I, when I was researching self-harm, I found way more triggering, as, as described, or, or way more sites for self-harm harm and people discussing it as a sort of romantic notion amongst each other glamorizing a kind of pain that actually is so private and painful that you really need to be able to talk and have a private little group with people about what you're struggling with Mm. rather than elevate it to some extraordinarily magnificent practice I, i agree with you it is difficult and why we need to speak about it, because it is being discussed, but it's being maybe discussed in some sort of toxic spaces. If you're worried about any of your friends or anyone that you know, please do talk to them. And if you're worried about yourself, reach out for help, seek further advice. Maybe you don't always have the answers. Self-Harm UK are an excellent organisation where you can get some more information on this matter. Next time on Open Up, who am I? The biggest question. Identity, gender, sexuality, what it means to be you. Oh, come with me, help me.